a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. You ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Oh, Yo. look at you Look at your fancy uh, backdrops! Wow, fancy. Ba- well, you know, we just uh, we just had Dave Stewart of the Arrhythmics, so we we, we cleaned up. We had yeah, we clean up. <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm impressed that you had you talked to Dave of the Arrhythmics, and, yes. and now you, now you're gonna come slum it with me and. <laughs> Slumming, uh, come on. You're a legend. Uh, let's get right into this. Our next guest is one of the greatest names of L.A. Punk. Uh, the new single from ex John Doe, El Romance Zero, uh, coming from the forthcoming record. Dark Folk Solo Album is the way they're describing it. Fables in a Foreign Land going to be available on May 20th. You can pre-order now wherever you get your music. A bunch of tour dates uh, hitting the road as well. Welcome to the show for the first time from X Woo-hoo. John Doe. Woo-hoo. Mitch, Jeremy, what's happening? What's yeah, going well, on? So uh, we're, yes. we're hanging with a legend. That's what we're doing. What's going on? <laughs> it can't go wrong. Yes. That's what I say every morning when I look in the mirror. How's it going, legend? I'm telling you. Yeah. By the way, uh, oh, when you, when you see police blot, uh, blot, blotters and you see John Doe all the time, does that at some point get a get? Well, get, get, I've <laughs> I've cut back on looking at police blotters. Because uh, <laughs> uh, you, you funny see you John Doe. Ask. Yeah. <laughs> you see John Doe everywhere. You're like, oh shit, am I dead? No. Oh, every day, uh, it's like, oh my it's, god, it's entertaining. Uh, you know, when when you go to a a bank and you're trying to uh, you know. <laughs> deposit or withdraw money and you see your name on the check it gives you a laugh sure uh, you just sign it x yeah <laughs> i was exactly three witnesses you're good <laughs> uh, i was i was inspired by john waters and andy warhol to change my name and all the all the kids in punk rock were changing their names and so i uh, i picked mine and it was a good thing right yeah, yeah it worked out Jeez, uh, so, I'm just thinking about LA punk and stuff. My my buddy Adam Laborn is a huge fan of X, and he was standing side stage last time you guys played at Punk 77 in Montreal. And uh, I was telling him, I was like, yeah, I was like, John Doe's coming to the show. He's like, what? So he gave me a whole bunch of questions. But before I get to that, I just want to yes. know. I mean, at the time in LA punk, um, did you ever get the chance to hang out with David Lee Roth and any of the guys from Van Halen around the scene? David Lee Roth was a huge fan of our friend Top Jimmy. Yeah, who was, a, who was a blues singer, and um, yeah, I mean, they were on a whole nother level, and you know, uh, but he was nice enough. He, he was entertaining. He was a you know complete maniac, and right on. That's what you're supposed to do when you're the lead singer of Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever just look out and see like David the Roth, David the Roth, like in in the crowd for one of your shows, or no, no, never came see X. I don't know. Maybe at some point later on. Yeah. No, it was uh, none of the music music ex- establishment wanted anything to do with LA punk rock, right. and that was that was totally fine with us. Right. That's like good. I don't. You know. You you don't want us at your party. That's fine because you don't necessarily have to come to ours either. Yeah. That's good. We'll just keep it separate. We'll keep it separate. Uh, quickly talk to me about that because, you know, we do talk about the music business. And, of course, it's uh, businesses are about making money. Was was this sort of the anti-establishment thing? And, and how did you sort of maintain it for all these years, going on almost 50 years, 
If you weren't about, you know, bringing in the, the, the pennies and the nickels and the dimes, uh, talk to me about sort of the business aspect of this and how do you maintain it? Well, I think that's a, a bit of a misconception. I think it was when the DC punk right. came, came along that it became much more militant. Although the Minutemen uh, were and still, and Mike Watts still is very much a socialist, and, and I believe in that stuff too, but we just thought we could get into the music business and change it and just right. get them to sing, you know, to, to go. We thought we might be, along with the Ramones and Blondie and Talking Heads and, you know, people like that, we thought that we would just be the next version of rock and roll. There's, you know, mm-hmm. there's beatniks and then there's hippies and then there's punks and then there's, you know, some goth and whatever. Right. Um you know, we we weren't like the Sex Pistols saying we're here to destroy rock and roll and fuck all of you and right. we, you know, you're stupid and lame and all that. And and then the media responded by saying, "Oh, really? Fuck me? Well, how about fuck you and I don't cover anything you do?" Right? <laughs> how about you're fucked? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in the in in the seventies and through the eighties, uh, we're still too weird to be on your average MTV. radio station no we got a right. little bit of coverage coverage on mtv but right um yeah we weren't that type of band we're still a little bit too weird and that's okay um because mm-hmm. we have we didn't have like one hit right we have right. a lot of songs that people might recognize and mm-hmm. that way you, you kind of maintain your own credibility and and we're, we're in this uh we're kind of a fortunate sweet spot in that you either changed my life or I don't know who you are. And that's good. You know, it's like, Oh my God, you changed my life or who? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. 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 Cool. It's funny that you say that, you know, you guys thought you were going to maybe be like the next, uh, you know, incarnation of like rock and away or something. But at the time, I mean, you look at the bands that were coming out of LA and like, the, like who the rock bands were and you had, you know, it was the Van Halen and like listen to the radio is Def Leppard and Motley Crue is coming up and then it got all hairy and cannonball snare. But the punk side, they refused to even go anywhere near that stuff. Uh, was it hard to try and like stay true to your roots and not sort of like sell out or gloss uh, it No, up? no, because we didn't, well, we did try at one point, um, which was a f- uh, artistic failure, uh, mm-hmm. but actually got us the the furthest onto the charts. Um, when we stopped working with Raymond Zarek, we did four records with Raymond Zarek, mm-hmm. and he was a mentor, and I still miss him. Mm-hmm. And and we thought, well, maybe we started believing our own hype. And I I kind of covered this in one of the punk rock books that I was part of uh, collaborating on, and. Uh, we made a record with Michael Wagner, who had worked with the Scorpions and some other yeah, metal yeah. bands. Now, now he works in Nashville, like Mutt Lang, and and is you know now they've fucked up that <laughs> that genre. As well. <laughs> hey, Mutt Lang did wonders the country. <laughs> yeah. Fucking up rock and roll wasn't enough for them. So they had to go to Nashville and fuck that up too. <laughs> uh, That's funny. <laughs> no, but well, they used the same motherfucking snare, the they same do. snare sound that was on. Motley Crue is now on, you know, Shania Twain and uh, well, the, yeah, the cannonball, well, the commercial snare, the snare that sells records. You mean? <laughs> exactly. um, but no, we 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 just we, this is all we could do. This is what yeah. we we knew, you know, and that was to raise credit. Yeah, he knew that we were pretty well on our way. 
Yeah. And, and we had developed a sound. And so I'm not going to be a producer and try to make them into something that they're not. What did Ray um, bring to the table? I mean, did he tell you some crazy tales from back in the day? Like, what was the experience sure. like? His what, what he brought to the table was uh, he gave us, he gave me, and uh, I think he gave Exene confidence and validation. Because mm. here's someone who is part of rock royalty, you know, a la the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. I mean, the Doors are, have just as much credibility. If they're not more. right up there. Yeah, they're way up there. And, and so, and he also just didn't get in the way and he didn't make it fancy and he just concentrated like the doors on a good performance uh something that's that tells a story something that's heartfelt and um i would give him credit for choosing the songs that went on to the first record los angeles um we had a number of songs that were on the second record that were already written when we released la mm -hmm. and so uh yeah that's what he brought um it's funny yeah. that you guys decided to work with Michael Wagner because I mean, like that kind of is a bit of a departure. <laughs> well, you know, we just didn't. We thought because we had we were going to be the next big thing for right. like three records. Yeah, and we weren't. We thought, well, maybe we don't know. And Exine was driving around in her 1968 Cougar, which was a total fucking hot car. Nice. And uh, she heard Wild Thing, and she thought we could do a version of that. Wouldn't that be fun? And we sort of did it on a whim. And we, and the record company said, Oh, try this guy, Michael Wagner. He's, he's fun. And he was fun. And doing uh, wild thing was very loose and crazy and had a big, you know, 15, 20 track chorus going wild thing. <laughs> and, uh, and it was fun. So we thought, okay, let's do the next record with him. Mm. not really understanding that he was very German and wanted to have everything in its place and, and everything charted out. And, and it kind of s took away some of the enjoyment of making the record, took away some of the kind of, um, uh, you know, what was soul. Right. I don't know if it was the, yeah, somewhat, but, but also just the, the immediacy of it, the, the kind of, joy and and like whoa it's, it's all spontaneousness right Spont was it like spontaneity yeah, yeah. Right. was it like a scientific way of making a record like it's it's like oh that was a great performance now nah, let's do it 20 I, more times yes yeah ah. it's what, okay uh, it's, a, it's a way your... but it's just a it's just a different process and and right. i you know i like doing things one way and people like doing things another way that's so you can get to the same end you know i think mm -hmm. different ways what is your approach to to making records? Because I I used to uh, to talk a lot with Alan Niven of Guns N' Roses, and he'd say, you know what? There is perfection in the imperfection. You 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 capture a moment, and you capture something that has soul to it. Yes. Is that how you approached your, all your record making? Like, you know, four guys in a room, and 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 or, or four guys and a girl in a room, and and let's go. Or do you like yes. the, the the session takes and the, the let's do it again? And oh no, I I think that. Uh... I think of a record as a, a record of what has happened in the time that you're given and right. at the point you are in your life. So it's, it's a record of that. Um, I just made a finished a solo record of about a year ago and it's coming out now. Yeah. And it was uh, created on somebody's back porch with upright bass, muffled drums an acoustic guitar and a voice. Mm. And that's the way we recorded it. We were in a really nice studio in Austin and um, <laughs> we just set up and played 
put up a bunch of microphones, Steve Berlin from Los Lobos and Dave Way from too many credits to mention both Grammy winners mm-hmm. were the producers along with myself. And we didn't have headphones and we didn't have monitors. And wow. if you fucked up, then you had to do a different take. Right. <laughs> we, you could cut between takes, mm-hmm. but right. you had to use the whole thing because the vocals were in the bass mic and the bass was in the drum mics and there was so much bleed. It's a thing. And, and that's, that's what I prefer to do. So it was a real proper live record. Like you'll let the performance be the star. Yes. Yeah. And it's very stripped down. We only have a couple of, um, we don't have any overdubs. We had a couple of guests come in, uh, a woman named Carrie Rodriguez, who's a terrific violin player and a guy named Josh Baca, who plays button accordion down in San Antonio in a unbelievable conjunto band called, uh, Tex maniacs. And nice. if, if you ever, if they're ever around here, they mostly play, play Texas, but they're like real traditional conjunto music it's awesome uh, so, it says here that uh, fables in a foreign land is my version of folk music uh well how is it your version how is it uh, different than traditional folk music i didn't approach it from some academic point of view right right i didn't you know <laughs> chart out what you're supposed to do it's just yeah and and talk about the business you know i i made this this very strategic business decision to, to write a record about the 1890s because it's such a hot topic these days. Yeah, totally <laughs> no, is. No, it's yeah, not. Right. No, it's not. Uh, you know, maybe when Deadwood was out, but uh, not so much now. Mm, anyway, you should, you should have tried 1980s. You should have just inverted you know, a couple it's a, You know, hours. that's really funny because there was a, a review or a, an article uh, that, that started out saying, <laughs> Uh, the new John Doe record has uh, written about the bleak times of the 1980s. And it's like, in a, in a way, it was <laughs> some okay. bleak moments. It, it kind of applies. <laughs> when Ronald Reagan was president, it was pretty yeah. bleak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, musically, it was terrific. I mean, we had the Eurythmics and we had uh, U2 and we had Def Leppard. I mean, what else could you ask for in life? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot uh, of fables big, in a, big music. <laughs> fables big in a music. foreign land. Uh, the John Doe Folk Trio going to be hitting the road. I uh, catch him at the City Winery in Philly on June fifteenth. Also performing in Milwaukee at the Shank Hall June twenty fifth. Um, my buddy Adam wanted me to ask you a couple of questions. The first one was: Besides fellow Slash record label mates, uh, who else did you like from the LA punk scene? Oh, uh, the Plugs were one of my favorites. Um, the weirdos had this huge sound um, screamers, of course, because they were just like so far ahead of their time and, uh, and, and kind of a, a, a media experience as well. Um, let's see who else uh, the brat from East LA were yeah. awesome. Uh, I mean, of course the germs, you know, depending on, <laughs> on how far they got, through their set <laughs> they, would, they would do this thing traditionally the germs would play their play a show and sometimes it was great and sometimes it was like not so great and then invariably they would end up by playing the song called shutdown which is the last song on their only main record right. and they would it was like a, a war of attrition and it's a very simple song and then Darby just, you know, kind of riffs over that. And it was like they would play that until the audience left. <laughs> <laughs> until, they would play it like for 
10 minutes and after eight you're just going like oh jesus i don't know if i can stay here and then and it's the same finally, lick the whole time well it, it would it would a traditional kind of blues uh okay. progression so it'd right. be one four five yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty you know good bit you, though it was a good <laughs> bit but if they really want to clear the room they just need to throw in a drum solo people leave right fucking away <laughs> no they just go get a drink yeah, <laughs> they just go get a drink or yeah, go to drum the solos are for peeing, right? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I loved all those bands, uh, and then of course when Los Lobos came on the on the scene, uh, I would always go see them, and and they still can be one of the greatest bands ever uh, on a given night. Right, yeah. right. Uh, what was it like working with Terry Funk, Ben Gazzara, Sam Elliott, and Jeff Healy in Roadhouse? Oh, as much insanity as you can imagine. <laughs> There was one time. There was one time that, that we were driving around Fresno, drunk on our asses. Um, Terry Funk and oh god, I can't remember the other actor. And and we got lost. We were going like the wrong way, you know. And we crossed the median, on you know, down into a ditch and like turned around and went back the other way on a two lane highway. Oh god. And it, w- it was because we went to go see Merle Haggard's son uh, play at a, at a honky tonk. That's pretty cool. Um, it was so, there was so much money going around. I mean, really? they scheduled, they scheduled everybody for like seven weeks of work and you know, you would make pretty good money on a thing like that. You know, maybe five, seven grand a week wow. plus, plus overtime and shit. It's like, yeah, I want to be an actor. Totally. All this acting. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't SAG yeah. scale at the time, I'll bet. No, no, it was it was a little more than that. But yeah. um and it went for like 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like sign me up. Yeah. Sure. Take it. It was, it was it. awesome. And Terry Funk gave me the line, uh, chicken dick. Because <laughs> it was written like chicken shit. And I said, that's just too cliche. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, chicken shit. You know, when I'm waving a knife at Patrick Swayze. Right. And I said, Terry, 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 what can I say? What can I say? Come on, man. And being the ultimate wrestler. Texan that he is, <laughs> Texan wrestler he is, he goes, uh, I bought chicken dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is great. <laughs> it took him all of like three seconds to come up with that, too. Well, what was PTA like to work with? Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was very very simple and straightforward and and encouraging and and um just do your thing get in there and do your thing and it's very interesting because people that have seen that uh, boogie nights will want uh, to especially when it came out would come up to me and say oh you were such an asshole in that in that m- part in that movie it's like um no uh Julianne Moore cried at the after that scene was over, but mm. I was the one. Uh oh, what happened? Uh oh, yeah, I'm here. Just you just went away. Oh, oh, oh I forgot here. to turn off my um, phone. I'm sorry. Hold on. Oh, that's why. Oh, uh, that, when somebody texts you or something, yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. Wait a minute. Um, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm telling you. All good. 
That uh, phone is the decline of the Western civilization. Yeah, it, it's awful. Uh, the new single from X is John Doe, El Romance Zero, uh, available now. Also, taken from his forthcoming dark folk solo album, Fables in a Foreign Land, coming out on right. May 20th. You can pre-order that now wherever you get so, your music. He's back. <laughs> so unprofessional. I bet Dave Stewart didn't do that. No, no, no. He actually not. gave us a, a tour of his studio. It was terrific. <laughs> oh. But oh, that, that telephone, man, it, it's the decline of the Western civilization it just i is. totally agree yeah it <laughs> throws everything off it throws, i totally uh, agree. Uh, it like, by the way working with penelope spheres uh it was it, it was a little bit uh fraught because we were sort of sad and and maybe pissed off that that she wasn't she didn't cover the original la scene with those bands like the plugs and the alley cats and mm-hmm. right. you know things like that because that was uh, and the go-go's was way more inventive and positive what she was covering was the the you know uh the dark side it, well in the, the 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 time the moment in time where hardcore became more dominant and it was more testosterone and it was you know it was darker Right. And that was in that was in like late seventy nine, uh, nineteen you know, in nineteen eighty, when you know Black Flag and and uh, Circle Jerks and people like that were, and and their audience, which didn't really get the inclusive uh, artistic right. part of it. Right. Right. But but I I think she made a great movie. Um, <laughs> the thing they didn't say is that we filmed our part after we had played two shows at the Whiskey had taken some um, illegal substances that make you stay awake and then went back to John and Exine's house and filmed from like two in the morning after we had played the shows, unloaded our gear, came back to the place. They had already set up the lights and everything and had a party, a tattoo party from like two in the morning until the sun came up. Wow. And when the sun came up, they said, oh shit, we have tinfoil on the... (laughs) on the windows but we still have to stop filming because the light is leaking through and it looks different damn so, yeah under <laughs> under bizarre circumstances we made that movie but where, one where's, one where all that footage that. is now like all those outtakes and stuff yeah oh god who knows but the thing the about box. paul Tom- the thing about paul thomas anderson and that scene is that he made a movie so that you identified with the with the bad people in the mm-hmm. in the movie and right. so I was a guy who was trying to keep his kid out of this area where they're making like dirty movies and snorting cocaine and having, you know, like, what's her name? Call Julianne Moore. Will you call me? You know, can I be, will you be my mommy and stuff like that? Like, <laughs> I just wanted to keep this kid out of that world. It's like, no, I don't think that that's a good place for a kid to be, yeah. but I'm an asshole because Paul Thomas Anderson is a really good director. Of right. course, golden age porn star Veronica Hart in there too. What, what was she? Yes, like? I, it's like I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I wasn't in. I wasn't. I didn't know those sorts of things yeah. <laughs> back then. Uh, <laughs> so she was just cool, and yeah. Then then I was told, oh, she's actually does uh, porno movies and has created this whole business out of it. And I thought, well, you go, girl. Right. You know that's that's the way to do it. If you're going to be it, you know, be the boss. Might You're going to well. be there, be the boss. Mm-hmm. Well, look, uh, John Doe. <laughs> Hold on, X, I got one more question. I just have one oh, yeah, last go for question. It. Just uh, the, the decline of Western civilization, part two, the metal years, there, there are scenes in there that it's come out now that Ozzy and, and Chris Holmes and all that were sort of staged. 
What was Ooh. yours a real movie, the one that you were part of, or were there parts that were staged as well? I I can only speak for our part, and and right. that was not staged at all. Gotcha. You know, they said, "What what do you want to do for this?" And and we had had a couple of tattoo parties in the in the past, and we thought, "Well, this will be striking. Let's do that. Cool." So right. we, yeah. Although I I heard some things about you know people being given some illegal substances prior as as a rider of sorts <laughs> oh, really coke was on the rider <laughs> well i don't know uh it was like i'll do this if you do that kind of thing ah you know and uh then they ended up being like not very smart on camera mm-hmm. <laughs> completely oops. mangled <laughs> oops who cares you know i don't care i'm you know 21 years old what do i care fuck you Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except when you look back at it now, you just go, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the people I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking about, can't look back at it because they're gone. <laughs> so right. It's like, yeah. It just plays into their legend. That's it. Go. Yeah. You, you let go. the legend live on, right? Uh, Fables in a Foreign Land coming out May 20th. You can pre-order now. We're giving you uh, wherever you get your music. Also, going to be hitting the road too. Uh, you hit them up on the social media and everything. Um, visit the website, uh, of course, X the band, a couple of different tour dates this year. And, uh, John Doe, man, uh, what more do you want? This was absolutely awesome. Total legend right there on our screen. You're welcome. I am on Instagram as the John Doe, two E's and, uh, X the band, or I think it's X the band official. Uh, we're doing a big tour with the psychedelic furs and that's going to be fucking great. Yeah. And I think you guys are coming to Montreal with that show. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to have to go check that out, Mitch. Yes, we are. Psych Furs are coming, yeah. Yeah, they made a great record uh, back in 2020 along, you know, X made a record back then. We're playing new songs, old songs. And yeah, I'll be in the East Coast and Midwest in June and on the West Coast in October. Awesome. Perfect. We're going to have to catch up when you're in Montreal. That'll be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to. Yep, absolutely. Sounds good. Till the next time, fellas. Merci, John. We'll see you soon. All right. We'll see you very soon. An all-new episode of the Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.